Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we are wrapping up our time together in the story. The story, this book, the Bible essentially put into chronological order. Many of you have been journeying with us through the story since last September when we began this. And many of you have actually joined the fellowship of this worshiping community in these last nine months. Well, regardless of how long you've been around, I hope you have a copy of this book. And if you don't, there's a stack of them outside. Uh, Please take one if you don't have one. Or if you know somebody who could benefit from having one, please just take one. We're we're trying to get rid of them. Bring them to somebody and and, uh, take a copy and give it away. But throughout this time of reading the story, reading the Bible in chronological order, many of you have been taking this very seriously, reading the book at home. Many of you have been joining us for Sunday morning Bible study, digging deeper each week. Over a hundred of you have been participating in small group Bible studies, some meeting online, some of you participating in these Bible studies don't even live here locally, Uh, some meeting in homes. Our partner churches, both in Ontonagon and in Munising, have been journeying with us through the story, not just through worship, but also through your own Bible studies as well, walking through the story. Our Sunday school kids have been tracking right along with us. Our college ministry right along. We've literally been on the same page of the Bible for these last nine months. It is my prayer that you have either discovered for the first time or rediscovered the overarching narrative of the Bible, from creation to new creation, all culminating in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That is the reason for the scriptures, that is the reason for the story, that you can see this arc, this movement from creation to new creation, all centered in Jesus Christ, with us written into this story as well. But today we're at the end. We're at the end of the story. And rightly so, the story, this this book, it ends in exactly the same way that the Bible ends, with the book of Revelation. Let me say that very clearly. Revelation, with an N at the end. Now, Revelations, now Revelations. I know people get confused with this because you run down the list of the, the books of the New Testament, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and you just think it must be Revelations, but it's not. It's just one. And I have to be a stickler for this because my old man was a stickler for this. And when I was growing up, my dad was my pastor, and whenever he would teach class, Or whatever we had a song where we learned to sing the books of the New Testament, anytime that he or anyone would say revelation, there was this group of students who will remain nameless, who would just say, (laughs) and my dad would say, it's one revelation, or something like that. He's not that aggressive, but you get the point. So I'm just telling you one revelation, and this is important This is important because it is one revelation that John the Apostle received from God to give to the people about their future 
so that they could live in hope during difficult times of persecution and despair. John, John is the guy who wrote Revelation. He is the disciple whom Jesus loved, one of Jesus' closest disciples. He is the same guy who wrote the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Around the 90s, back in the 90s, uh, not the 1990s, but the actual 90s, like 90, 95, like just 90 years after, you know, B.C., uh, during this time, this is when John wrote this book, uh, the Roman Empire at this time was doing everything that they could to squash and silence any message that would uh, be a threat to the empire. And they saw Christianity as a big threat to their empire because there was not worship of Caesar, it was worship of Jesus. So John was cast into exile, imprisoned for his bold declaration of faith in Jesus. He was sent to an island called Patmos. You can still find it. Go on Google Maps, search it. It's there. Uh, It's just off the west coast of Turkey in the Mediterranean Sea. So John was sent to Patmos around 95, 96 AD, and while he was there, he received this revelation from God, which he wrote down, and then distributed to churches that he knew, Christian people that he knew, who were also being persecuted for their faith. And the book of Revelation gives us a vision of the end, of what our hope is in the future, so that John could give encouragement and hope to the people as they endured immense suffering and even death for their faith in Jesus. It's helpful to know the end. Knowing the end helps us get through the present. When you know the end, you're not surprised by anything that happens. I'm assuming that you've watched a movie more than once. Uh, the same movie, that is. I'm assuming you've re-watched a movie before. You know, the first time that you watch a movie... Every character is suspicious. You don't know if they're good or bad. Any time that a character rounds a corner into a dark alley, you don't know if something bad is going to happen or something good. I don't know what good things happen in dark alleys, but maybe it could happen. You don't know. All along the way, you're always wondering, how is this thing going to get resolved? Who's going to fall in love? Who's going to die? How will this conflict end? And all along the way, you're building ideas in your mind of what you think is going to happen, how you think it's going to play out. Sometimes you're right, and sometimes you get to the end, and you were way off. But then you watch the movie again. And this time, as you're watching through the movie, you know the end. And so you see the movie in light of the end. So the dramatic events are not so dramatic The scary things are not so scary. All along the way, maybe you're you're seeing conversations through a whole new light. You're seeing new purpose and new meaning because you know the end. And the end shapes the way that you see everything on the way to the end. What you believe about the end affects your present reality today. As humans, 
in your human existence, what you believe about the end of life and the end of all things affects your present reality right now. Now, you may not think about this all that much, but I hope after today you do. What you believe about the end affects your present reality. You see, if you believe, as many do, that at the end of life your body is simply dropped into the ground to decompose and that's it, final, done, and that at the end of time the sun will just get so hot that it will just consume the earth and all things will be done and life will be gone, if, if that is your understanding of the end, your life means nothing. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Sure, you can make some case about, yeah, you should be nice to help other people, and yada, yada, yada. But if you think about it, it, would mean, it means nothing. There's no purpose. No purpose to life if that is the case. No wonder. No wonder so many people are living in such deep states of anxiety and depression and stress and anger, and hatred for fellow man. But, but, if you have a full understanding of what the Bible says about the end, what the Bible has revealed about the end, you will instead be people who are filled with perfect peace and perfect hope and full life in Christ. So let's talk about the end today. Let's talk about the end so that we know what our final hope is. And let's see how it affects our lives today. So as Christian people, what is the end? What would we say is the end? I, I think most people would say heaven. The end must be heaven, right? That's what we say. Rightly so. So much so that we're throwing a heaven party today. Bounce houses, cotton candy, face painting, you name it. A wonderful time will be had. Heaven, yes. Heaven, yes. But, but there are a lot, and I mean a lot, of misconceptions and misunderstandings about what heaven is. See, there's a lot of curiosity in our world, in our culture, about this idea of heaven. Or as some would more gener generically call it, probably just the afterlife. But there's a lot of curiosity about this, a lot of interest in this idea that there is something after this life. And unfortunately, what you see and hear in many books and TV shows and movies about heaven is just not based in the Bible. I'm sorry to tell you. Marcus, I'm so glad that you did not say something about little babies with wings becoming angels in heaven because, unfortunately, that's just not what the Bible says. Okay? And not unfortunately, it's just not what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. What is heaven? We're going to ask a couple of questions today about heaven. Three questions. What is it? How do we get it? And what should we do until heaven? We're going to ask these three questions today. So, first of all, what is heaven? 
Heaven is, by definition, the dwelling place of God. So heaven is the place where, where God is. That is what it means by heaven in the scriptures, the place where God is. So heaven is not so much a location that is in a different place than here. Heaven is more a perfect presence of where God is. That's how the Bible talks about heaven. The story of the Bible is one in which God created everything, the earth and all that is in it and the whole universe. And heaven came to meet earth. God was there with his creation, dwelling with it, walking with it, perfectly united, perfectly in harmony. But then the scriptural story is one where sin separated from heaven from earth. Heaven from earth separated the two. This is what sin does. But the story of the Bible, as you have read it over the last nine months, is one in which God is constantly reinvading creation, constantly working on bringing heaven to earth in certain ways. He did it in the temple. He did it through the mouths of his prophets. He did it through his kings. But most fully, you have seen it, heaven coming to earth in the person and work of Jesus. Jesus came to bring heaven to earth, to give us a down payment of our future eternity. That is what heaven is, the dwelling place of God. So then, sometimes it's helpful to say, what is heaven not? What is heaven not, if that's what heaven is? Heaven heaven is not, let me be very clear, heaven is not a place where spirits just float around, dead people float around on clouds with wings playing harps for all of eternity. If that's your image of what heaven is, you're far off from what the scriptures are actually talking about. That is not. That's a popular idea, but no, you don't become an angel and float on clouds with wings and play a harp for all of eternity. The, the picture of, of heaven, the picture of eternity in the Bible is very physical. Human. You. You. Human, this creation, perfect, just like it was in the beginning, but even better, made new, made whole, everything that's broken, fixed, everything that's damaged, restored, everything that's dead, made alive. So then, how do we get it? How do we get heaven? How do we get this thing? Well, the very simple answer, the Sunday school answer is Jesus. How do we get heaven? We get it through Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings heaven to earth. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, he's already ushered in the promise of eternity. He's given us the down payment on eternity. As Christian people, when we believe in Jesus Christ and we die in his name, we do go immediately into the presence of God. So when we die, we do go to heaven. This is true. We go to be with God. This is what the scripture attests to. But even more than that, even more than dying and going to be with Jesus, what the Bible talks about even more, even more than that is the resurrection from the dead on the last day. This is the whole point of the Bible, pointing to a resurrection and a restoration of all things. Death death is sort of like... um, in the movie that you're watching, 
when you think it's coming to a close, and you, you think that the movie is ending, like the climax has already come down, and, and you're, you're like, is this, is this the end? And you're wondering, is it? And then you press pause for a second, if, if not at the theater, I don't think you can do that, but if you're watching on Netflix, you press pause, and you see how much time you have left, and you still got 30 minutes left, and you're like, what could happen? I thought the movie was done. And you press play, and it's even, the end is even better than you thought before. That is what is promised in the scriptures. It's like, it's like the infomercial, you know, where the guy's trying to sell you knives or whatever, and he's like, man, do I have a deal for you? And he does, and you're like, I gotta buy the knives. And then he's like, but wait, there's more. I'll throw in a mattress and a pillow and a car and a, I don't know, wait, there's more. All I wanted was knives and I get all that, yeah. Right? This is what the Bible is pointing to even better than what you could imagine. And this is what John sees. This is what John sees and what he reports to us in Revelation 21. John sees that heaven is not so much about us going there, but about Jesus bringing heaven here. Here's what it says. Revelation 21, verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is God bringing heaven to earth, bringing this new creation to be joined with Jesus for all of eternity. The Bible is not a story about us trying to escape our physicality, and go somewhere else. The Bible is not a story about us getting out of this bag of flesh and going somewhere else. The Bible is not about escaping. The Bible is about Jesus coming to the brokenness and making it whole and redeemed and new and perfect and glorified forever and ever. And John continues on, verses 3 and 4, Behold, the dwelling place, the place of God, is now with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Again, heaven is not the promise that we're going to escape this place, but that Jesus is going to come into the mess of this world once again. As he's already come once, he will come once again, and everything will be made new. Everything sad will be gone. Everything that makes you mourn will make you rejoice. There will be perfect peace and perfect life forever. And all of this will come true when Jesus returns. Again, he's already given us a down payment of eternity. And when he comes again, he's going to pay for the whole thing and it will be all be made new. And everybody will rise from the dead. The Bible tells us this, Revelation chapter 20, read it for yourselves. Everyone will rise from the dead. Those who believed and those who didn't. Those who believed in Jesus to eternal life. Those who did not believe to eternal death and separation away from God for all of eternity. And those who are still alive when Jesus returns will be changed in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet shout, and all will be made new, never to die again. Man, that sounds nice. Sounds nice. So what are we supposed to do until heaven? What are we supposed to do until heaven? You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. You can live today as though heaven is here now. 
That's actually your Christian calling to live as though heaven is here on earth right now. Right now. Love God. Love one another. Live as though heaven is here now. We don't have to wait. Jesus has already said, I'm with you always. Jesus has already put his spirit to dwell within you. And if heaven is the dwelling place of God, then heaven is constantly, even if just partially, but constantly coming into your life and into the world to bring the hope of what is to come for eternity. This is why Jesus teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want this place to be better, Jesus. We want this place to be better right now. And so Jesus says, well, then go. Go and live as though it is. Go and live as it is. Go and, go and love with an unstoppable love. Go and give grace to, to your neighbors who have hurt you or harmed you. Go and serve those who are in need. Live without fear of persecution. Live without worry. Live without, without fear of death. For you know the end of the story so you can get your way there without fear and do it all. Live in the name of Jesus. He's already made you alive. You're alive in Christ. That means you're alive forever, even now. So live like it. Live like it. Live like you believe the end. Because when you do, you can live along the way. And in the suffering, there can be joy. And in the brokenness, there can be reconciliation. And in the grief, there can be hope. And even in the death, there is the promise of life. And in every person's life that you come into interaction with, you will see, you will see the opportunities that God is giving you to let Jesus be made known there. Friends, you know the end. And because you know the end, it ought to affect everything along the way. So pay attention. Because I believe if you pay attention in this world, you will see Jesus constantly attempting to bring heaven here, bringing resurrection hope into this world. And I pray he's doing it through you. Let me end this sermon in the way that the Bible ends. Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. I invite you to rise if you're able. Let's speak our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, 